Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. We are the Three Rivers Boys. My name is Zach. I'm Jake. And we're bringing it to you today to talk about the Way of Kings once more. This time it's going to be Chapter 46, Child of Tanavast, and Chapter 47, which is called Storm Blessings. Uh, as usual for these episodes, uh, full spoiler alert is in effect for the entire book, Way of Kings, but not the whole series. So spoilers only for this book. Uh, let's get right into it. No two sad boy chapters around. today. Yeah, two Kaladin blue boys. So, we start off with Kaladin in the present, and he is having a pretty crazy dream. Uh, a vision, maybe even. We're not sure if you could even call this a dream. It might actually be happening. But uh, he's basically like imagining himself or seeing through the eyes of the high storm itself and he's like sweeping across the skies from one coast to the other of the continent of rashar from the ocean to the ocean pretty wild and crazy be a pretty fun dream yeah Especially for somebody from this kind of society, like nobody has like ever really flown before as far as he knows. So this is a pretty unique perspective from for somebody uh, to have for him, you know. It almost reminds me of in Drawing of the Three when Roland opens. You know, he sees through uh, Eddie's eyes, I think, and he's up in the airplane and he, like, can't figure out what he's looking at at first. Yeah, the, like, bird's eye view of uh, the land from so high up is really disorienting for people who have never experienced anything like that before. So he is, like, sweeping across the landscape and from above he notices that the shattered planes look like something absolutely massive like some kind of meteor or something impact them and the, impacted them in the middle causing uh, ripples to kind of flow outward from the central impact site in a radius, which is kind of crazy to think about. I wonder what that could have been. And he okay. swears that he sees lights at the center. This is dark when this is happening. It's like the wee hours of the morning for this high storm. So he sees lights like a city in the middle of this impact site. So he's like, who the hell is there? Interesting questions posed here. Yeah, we definitely don't get very many things answered in this stream. It's like a lot of what? <laughs> but it's a lot are... of hype, I guess, though, right? Like. Yeah, all these questions, well, some of them aren't answered yet, but I have full faith that all of them will be answered eventually because like 98% of them have been answered so far in the first four books. So uh, he flies past this thing called the Sea of Spears, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, he flies past Kolinar, the Horn Eater Peaks. He flies past a bunch of armies with all these cool different means of sheltering themselves during the high storms. 
and he keeps asking himself how many wars the uh, world must be fighting if there are this many pl- armies out and about and if there might be anywhere in the world at all that's at peace right now. Uh, he passes a cool-looking city that's built into, like, long troughs cut into the earth itself to protect it from a high storm, and hint, 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 we might be here later. Uh, we just get this, like, really awesome, overwhelming sense that Rishar is this huge, vast place with this wide, diverse group of people and cultures that's, like really cool and drawn out and elaborate. I love it. I love these big worlds, uh, how complex they're getting in more modern fantasy. Yeah, it really makes it feel colorful. Uh, And then he gets this, Cal gets this glimpse of a light off in the distance in this um, other city, and he gets... You know, he's the wi- as the wind gets pulled through this doorway, and there we see Zeth, Sunson Volano, Truthless of Shinovar, <laughs> standing over some fresh victims, right? And it almost seems like Zeth senses his presence in the wind. Like, maybe this is really happening. Yeah, they get this kind of feeling of locking eyes, even though Kaladin doesn't really have eyes as, like, a gust of wind, but, you know... They kind of stare each other down anyhow. (laughs) And then, of course, Cal has to keep blowing on. Ever westward. Uh, So he keeps flying past all these different cities, uh, checking out all these really cool natural features, you know, mountain ranges, valleys, plants, animals. Uh, You know, we're noting a lot of how these different things can protect themselves from the high storm, how different plants can like pull into themselves or suck their leaves in to uh, protect themselves from the high winds that come. Uh, and this is something Sanderson does really well is this world building stuff. I love all the little plants and I love the way this planet works with like the rain bringing the creme and how they have to scrape it off. And it feels really lived in. Yeah, there's like whole ecologies and cultures built around how they're adapted to these high storms. It's just really fun. And we know a lot of this stuff already and we're only halfway into the first book. No, we're more than is this we're more than halfway probably. I think we're like two thirds at this point. But there's a lot of world building here that he just weaves into the story, uh, for being two thirds of the way into the book, right? Yeah, definitely. So he gets to, like, the far end of Rashar, uh, flies, like, over Shinovar, kind of, and ends up kind of dropped out of the storm on the far coast of Rashar. And it's here that he ends up in another, another conversation with this mysterious entity of the storms called the Stormfather. And... If you want to reenact this conversation, can with we do me, it together? Oh yeah, my god! Do you, do you want to be Kaladin or the Stormfather? I want to be Cal. I want to hear your Stormfather. Okay, yeah. I'll try it out. I'll try not to blow the mic out. I'll- child of Tanavast, child of honor, 
child of one long since departed. The oath pact was shattered. Men ride the storms no longer. The oath pact is broken, child of honor. I don't understand. Odium comes, most dangerous of all the sixteen. You will now go. Wait, why is there so much war? Why must men always fight? Odium reigns. Kaladin snaps back awake, violently fighting off the members of Bridge 4 that are holding him down through what seems like this crazy nightmare. Uh, and we notice that he's basically like been sleepwalking and trying to be, and he's been trying to like leave the storm shelter that they're in. So his, his troops were trying to wake him up, but they couldn't. And, uh, so he's coming out of this deep funk, right? Like he was in this and it like, it's really coming off as a vision now. Like this is obviously not a dream. Very uh, similar to something we've seen another character undergoing. If you're want to draw some parallels here, absolutely. I was, yep. I was <coughs> <just Dalinar>. <laughs> so yeah, this this is basically the exact same thing that happens to Dalinar. I mean, it's very similar. Uh, it's during a high storm. I mean, come on now. And that's kind of the the end of that like vision sequence but the the bridgemen head out into the riddens which if you'll remember is like kind of the tail end of the storm they're just like it's raining like a normal <laughs> sprinkle <laughs> baby yeah uh, just kind of like a gentle rain after the storm yeah so they go out there and like shower sort of and shave and just kind of get cleaned up a little bit um and our kaladin even decides to shave for the first time in Ever since he's been a bridge man. Yeah, probably since we've met him, honestly. Yeah. They've had this razor that they got for rock since like probably twenty bridge runs ago or something, and everybody else has been shaving up and getting haircuts and everything, and Cal's just been chilling. And so we get the boys, uh, having a conversation about some political philosophy and we're kind of getting the lineup of who are the main characters in the bridge crew now, right? Like we're really seeing the core members here, Kaladin, Sigzel, Mo Ash. They're having this conversation, but then, you know, we have rock too, that I think is another like, yeah, we know which bridgemen have like speaking parts at this point. Yeah. So Cal just wants to punish the light eyes for their uh, injustices against the dark eyes. He wants to get in there and just, uh, you know, guillotine everybody French Revolution style and walk away. Uh, Moash wants to totally flip the tables on them and take over and make the light eyes the new dark eyes. And Sigzel just kind of has like a cautionary tale for them, <laughs> which is kind of the Sigzel thing to do. Love it. So he tells them about this place called Ababatharnum, where the oldest person in the country is given authority to rule. And Cal and Moash seem to think this is a pretty cool idea. 
that is until Sigzil explains that there is one family who has been in charge for basically ever because they just murder everyone who gets old enough to challenge them. Whoa. And he's like, hey, any system sounds cool from a distance, but there's also opportunity to exploit others and cause injustice in every system. So you guys better be careful or you'll end up just as bad as the light eyes that you hate so much. Look at Sigzel spouting the truth. That's pretty awesome. And then Moesh just starts talking about how much he wants shard blades. And uh, Cal's like, you don't even know what you want. Be careful what you wish for. And we'll see why he's so bitter about that in a minute here. <laughs> so Rock kind of comes up and he's like, hey, Sigzel, you're one of those, uh, world, what do you call them, world singers, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Sigzel's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm getting the fuck out of here. kind of awkward he doesn't seem to like people uh knowing about his past which seems to be a theme in this place you know everybody's pretty touchy-feely about letting people know about their history yeah i mean the other bridge crews don't even know each other's names so you know we're getting into backstory now it's kind of a big deal uh, it's also New Slave Day. Uh, Bridge 4 is way down on troops. They really barely have enough. I think they technically don't have enough to make a bridge run. Like, they're making them do it, but uh, they're at, like, the minimum number of bridgemen that they can have. So, Cal needs some bridgemen, or the first person that gets shot in the next bridge run, like, the whole thing is screwed, you know? Um. Let's see. So they go to where they're handing out the where the bright lords have, you know, the the new slaves coming in uh, and Gaz is there kind of handing things out. And Gaz regrets to inform him uh, that Hashal has put herself in charge of the bridge crew assignment. If you remember Hashal, she's the. uh not so cool lady who introduced herself very recently to Caledon as the uh, new light eyes in charge. And her genius idea is to try and have Parshman run the bridges. What's more worthless than a slave? A Parshman. Well, the, the Parshman are actually worth more money than the slaves, but they're just like, so hurting for Bridgman at the moment that they're willing to try anything. Yeah, okay, that's probably a better representation of it. Uh, but they don't know if it'll work. You know, the parchment are kind of slow, is that what I want to call it? Like, not in a speed sense, but... And everyone also kind of just assumes that they're related to the Parshendi because they're so similar. Right, like maybe they'll go over to their side or start so like, killing can we, Bridgman. Can we even trust them in a in a fight against the Parshendi? What if they betray us in the middle of the battle? And obviously, nobody at Bridge Four is happy about this because there's a lot of speciesism towards 
the Parshendi and the Parshman. Um, I think Cal like thinks he maybe can make it work. He's a little more open minded than your average uh, Rosharan, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't say that he's like even optimistic about it. He's just like, well, we're stuck with this guy, and uh, I guess he's one of us now, so we're gonna make the best of it. <laughs> I guess that's like a very military mindset. Like, this is the shit we're in. You walk through it, or you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like all right uh what's your name mr parchman and the guy just like shrugs and he's like okay we're gonna call you shen now uh everybody this is shen he's one of us shen is in bridge four now so uh he's just as fucked as us we might as well take care of him <laughs> i can appreciate that uh so some of the other Bridgman are talking right in front of this Parshman just to show you how little they think of him about different tactics, like using him as a pin cushion in the front of the bridge. Uh, yeah, they're like, know. well, we'll put him right up front and he'll get shot for us so we can just like not worry about it. Kyle's like, no, one of us. We're not going to turn around and do to the this guy what the light eyes would do to us. We're going to be better than them. And Bridge Four goes along with it because Cal is their daddy. That's right, Cal. And he leaves the men to take care of their gear as he goes on a little stroll with his favorite gal, Sill, to think uh, and plan how he's going to make his escape. Yep, we got to put his thinking cap on and do a little walking. He asks Syl if she believes in the Almighty, if she believes in a higher power. And she acts perplexed by the question. Like she's uh She's like, Well, I think I should, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a weird And then he asks if she's ever heard of Odium. And her reaction is not good. Yeah, this this question gets a, a way more definite reaction. She hisses like a cat and runs up a tree, basically. Yeah. And crazy. The first time Cal heard this word, I don't know if he, I got to say word, right? Uh, capitalized. Okay. Uh, I, the first time Cal heard this name was just in his vision, and it's in like a really ominous context too, right? So this is not good. I think we're really starting to get some like foreshadowing here with Syl too, as to like who she like truly is, what she really is, maybe. Uh, yeah, Syl seems to be remembering more and more, and be remembering things that are oh man this is we're treading dangerous water here yeah you really can't say anything else she's remembering things she's remembering (laughs) that most people don't know about but she does somehow we'll put it like that okay so moving along uh this conversation by cal between cal and sill is interrupted uh when a fight breaks out in the street between 
an officer in Sadius's army and what appears to be a lady of the night. The greens. Yeah. It's always the green is always the bad guys, huh? Like Slytherin and uh, so this lady's clearly a prostitute. Yeah, obviously. Um and obviously there's some sort of like this officer thinks he should have got a free service and he is beating the shit out of this lady in the middle of the street and nobody's doing anything. Uh, Her safe hand is waving around for everyone to see. Scandalous. (laughs) Um, And Kyle is outraged by this, but he's not about to get mixed up in this whole mess. He is about to actually. (laughs) He's like on his way out to like fight this light eyed officer. That's true. And uh, Adolin just beats him to the punch. So, yeah, the highest ranking officer uh, out of this group of Colin men steps out and summons a shard blade, right? And it's Adolin fucking Colin. Yeah, look at our boy here making his daddy proud. Making Cal kind of proud, too. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Cal dude almost wants to like a light eyes here. It's kind of funny. He's like, mm, I almost didn't hate that guy. Yeah, grumble, grumble. I better find an excuse too quick. <laughs> <laughs> and Adolin even goes as far as not only to stop the fight, but he escorts this lady out of Sadius's camp knowing that if he leaves her there that they'll just come back and do something to her later yeah so he's not just playing the white knight in the moment you know he's actually like taking a little thought into this lady's looking out for yeah well-being um Oh, so yeah, Adolin calls uh, Cal Bridge Boy. He's like, hey, Bridge Boy, and he flips him this, like, emerald broom, I think. And he's it's like, like two weeks of pay. Tell uh, Bright Lord so-and-so that I won't make the meeting today. I got a little other business that's going to run me late. And Cal's like, stuff it, High Lord shit pants. I'm going to take this and buy medicine for my boys. Yeah. That's hilarious that he just fucking doesn't do it. <laughs> He's like, you probably got this by exploiting Brian Dark Eyes. <laughs> uh, Sills like, bro, you need to chill out. <laughs> Cal, Cal really is like kind of stuck on this too. Um, he's conflicted, right? Because at this point in the story, he hates all light eyes, and this was just highlighted right in this conversation that they just had. Caladin wants them dead. And here's one with perhaps maybe a little bit of, you know, some redeeming qualities. And yeah, he can't like, get... this guy maybe just did an altruistic act and, act and Kaladin's like, no, there's no, no way that he just did that for the good of it. You know, so Cal's just walking around trying to think of ways that this like benefited Adolin somehow. Like he's trying to figure out what Adolin's angle was, right? He's like, he must have just been trying to embarrass an officer of a rival war camp. Like, that guy was for Sadius. He's for Colin. They've been beefing lately. They must have just been trying to, uh, you know, stir some shit. Yeah. 
And that's, but then that's why the, did he uh, escort the lady home, huh? Yeah, exactly, right. But that's what he convinces himself, and that's the end of the chapter. So next we get chapter 47, and this one is called Storm Blessings. Only a year ago now, so we're catching up. And this is actually uh, the same battle that we saw at the beginning of the book in, like, what what is that, the second prologue? Uh, but this is from Kaladin's point of view instead of Sen's. So we start off uh, Kaladin's point of view, like I said, and he is looking at a cool rock, which of course brings Tien to mind. This is uh, after Tien's death, but he is still serving in High Marshal Amram's army and getting ready for battle. Uh, this is a minor conflict between High Lord Sadius and just some like scrub High Lord, basically, it sounds like, who wants to carve off a little slice of Sadius's territory while he's off in the Shattered Plains distracted. So Amaram is out here taking care of business for him. Yeah, and... Basically, we cut to Cal um, paying off some other squad leaders to get their new recruit, who is like a small kind of vulnerable, hint, hint, TN-esque <laughs> uh, younger kid, right? Um, he even keeps calling him TN by accident, like the whole way through this chapter. That's hilarious and sad. <laughs> Uh, man, Cal is such a conflicted guy, huh? So he, and we find that through some exposition, he's the youngest squad leader in the army. Uh, he's only had four years of service so far, but he is like this master spearman. And, uh, basically everybody else in the army is kind of like in awe of him. <laughs> yeah, man. They really look up to this guy. And... Uh, you have, it seems like Sill was already messing with him, sticking his pouch of spheres to him. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, he just calls it like a windspread. Like he notices like there's a pesky windspread like messing with him. Okay. So I'm like, oh, that's got to be Sill. Cool. Because she, she claims to have already been with him at this point at some other point in the book. Yeah, so. you're right. Huh? So he gets back to his squad, and Dalit, who we met earlier, is waiting there with the new recruit, Sen, which is probably why he keeps calling Tien, because they sound a little alike. <laughs> um, Kaladin is hoping to have his squad really distinguish themselves so they can get out to the Shattered Plains here. He thinks this battle is going to be his chance to get out and be with the real soldiers, where he has this, like at this point, misguided idea that they're more honorable that the fighting is like better there somehow well he kind of thinks that he'll be like surrounded his squad will be backed up by other squads that are just as good so their flanks will be defended by more reliable soldiers and the commanders will be better and the equipment will be better uh 
they won't be like fighting as much because of the way the battles work on the shattered planes i guess you know how they say there's like more soldiers there but because of the right. plateau fighting like only so many soldiers can fight at a time mm-hmm. so, so that's the survivability for his men will be better on the shattered planes than it, it is an alf car well he's an idiot <laughs> Flash forward to the middle of the battle. Cal's squad is like on top of this little hill, right? And they're holding strong in the chaos of battle. Except where the fuck did Sen go? Goddamn new guy. I know, seriously. It's like stay in the middle of the circle, dude. (laughs) Cal spots him off on his own. Uh, I guess he like peed himself earlier too. Remember that? Cal spots him (laughs) off on his own, surrounded by the enemy, and leaps out of formation. Seriously, just like jumps over a bunch of like spear guys. He's like ridiculously good at fighting. There's so many cool action sequences (laughs) with him in this chapter, dude. It's so sweet. Just like, man, I know you guys already read this, but like, I'm hyped right now. Here we go. Oh, (laughs) this part's so cool. He literally, I'm like clashing my spear against my shield, like, yeah, going on. We're singing this beer washing song right now. So jumps out, calls him TN on accident again here and starts fighting six freaking guys at once. So here's a a good excerpt excerpt from the book. Um, I'm going to save you TN. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh, dude. (laughs) So sad. He was like water running down a hill, flowing, always moving. Spearheads flashed in the air around him, halves hissing with speed. Not one hit him. He could not be stopped. Not when he felt like this. When he had the energy of defending the fallen, the power of standing to protect one of his men. Sounds very radiant of him. Kaladin snapped his spear into a resting position, crouching with one foot forward, one behind, spear held under his arm. Sweat trickled from his brow, cooled by the breeze. Odd, there hadn't been a breeze before. Now it seemed to envelop him. So he just like straight up anime fights these dudes, beats them all up, kills them all. <laughs> I think he's like probably even like starting to use his radiant powers already a little bit at this point. Oh, he absolutely is. That's exactly what's happening. Because he's doing like, you're right, Sills with him and he's starting to do these things. You know, he's protecting somebody. He's like kind of following the creed, even though he doesn't know it yet. And so finally the rest of the squad, you know, his, his little grizzled sergeant guy pushes the squad up to him and they, they re-envelop Sen and Cal. And are all like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> that was <laughs> awesome. Uh, and Sen is basically looking at him like he's God or something. Like, Holy shit, you're like a fucking superhero. Yeah. Uh, but as they regroup, they notice a high-ranking Light Eyes in some super fancy armor. Not shard plate, but just like fancy metal armor, right? And Kaladin's like, this is our chance, boys. We take this guy down. And that's our ticket to the Shattered Plains. We get our glory. We get our recognition. That's how our squad gets uh, the chance that we need. Yeah. Meanwhile, really in the back of my head, I'm like, Cal just wants to kill a Light Eyes. 
Yeah. I mean, he doesn't. I guess he dislikes Light Eyes at this point. I don't know if he like hates them yet. I mean, Rashon has still like fucked up his life and got Tien killed. He hates everybody besides Amram, basically. At this yeah, point. that's true. So, so they, they move in and do this cool like three way pincer move and basically effortly kill this light eyes dude and take him out. But that is when uh out of nowhere an actual shard bearer shows up. And it's pretty funny because like five minutes before they see this uh regular armored light eyes guy and Santa's like oh my god, is that a shard bearer? And they're all like, oh no, that's just a guy in armor. There's no way a shard bearer would ever be on a battlefield like this. And then like five minutes later, one shows up and kills like all of them. Well, and then Sen's like, holy fuck, that's a shard bearer. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different. They They really highlight how different it is right here. Yeah. And when they uh, this. We both have uh, recently watched All Quiet on the Western Front, like the new Netflix version. Mm-hmm. And there's that scene when uh, they all see the tank, and I think most of them are seeing the tank for the first time in that scene. And yeah. they're, like, they're all shooting their rifles at it, and it's just like bouncing off, and the tanks just like roll into the trenches and murder everybody. That's like Terrifying. exactly what I'm thinking of this like shard plate sequence here. This yeah, this dude's just. One tank. This dude's just out here cutting wheat, man. He could literally just walk across this entire battlefield and kill every single person and not be threatened. Except for Kaladin. All right, so uh, you did the last reading. I'll do this one. Give me one sec here. For a brief moment, Kaladin's mind refused to acknowledge that this creature, this beautiful divinity, could be an enemy. The fact that the Shardbearer had come through their side reinforced that illusion. Kaladin's confusion lasted right up until the moment the shard barrel trampled sh- trampled Sen, shard blade dropping and cutting through Dalit's head in a single easy stroke. Brutal. Ugh. And then his eyes just like blacken and turn to smoke. Could you imagine like seeing that happen to your friend? That would be fucked up, dude. It does sound pretty bad. I also always think that uh, that's like a way Disney would make this, like a PG movie. (laughs) (laughs) They don't actually show any blood and guts. Yeah, yeah. Smoking eyes. Right. Man, I don't know. That's that's even like more messed up to me for some reason. It's definitely like when you when you think about it hard, it is like pretty brutal. Um. I'd rather see blood and guts. I feel like it's not uh, no. in real life. <laughs> in real life, that guy's brain would like sloop out. Like it'd be terrible. Yeah, but that's like a natural reaction. I don't know. I'm expecting that to happen. I'm not expecting some guys like eyes to like turn into fire. One of the really weird things for me is, uh, I don't think it's happened yet. So maybe I can't even say this, but I don't think it's really like they're talking about, another shard bearer is like talking about what it's like in battle. And he mentions how the bodies like just pile up around you. And one of the things you have to do is like kick the bodies, like the piles. Of I think bodies that's Adolin that talks about that. Yeah. 
And they use them as like projectile weapons. Right. <laughs> they just like put bodies into people. Jesus. <laughs> Brandon Sanderson, how do you come up with this stuff? I know you listen all the time. So uh the shard bear kills like five of Calvin's dudes and just like keeps strolling through casually on his way to Amaram. He's like clearly there to seek and destroy and take down the leader here. So he's headed for Amaram. Everybody else is breaking and running. Uh, Kaladin's squad is the only people on the field who have their shit together enough to kind of rally and make a counterattack against this overwhelming force. Even though it's suicidal, they go ahead and do it. And I think Kaladin is like, this is a bad idea. Yeah, like an idiot for doing this. Yeah, like he should not do this. I think he's just like enraged at this point and he's bloodlusted. Yeah, he needs to take this guy out for revenge sake, I guess, for murdering Sen and Dalit. He's I mean, get he gets the rest of his him. squad killed yeah, in the process. Work well for him. Yeah. <laughs> So the shard bearer fights back and just kind of effortlessly wipes out most of the rest of the squad. There's like three guys that survive out of like 25. I think they started with, I mean, you can't even block his attacks. Like even if you're, nah. you have to like sword dodge. Yeah. But Kaladin is Kaladin and pulls off some of the sickest, <laughs> fantasy fight scene choreography I've ever read. Yeah, Um, so to to describe this move, he kind of like does the double knee slide under uh, Shard Boy's horizontal like baseball swing and gets the tip of his spear sliced off and that goes like flying, somersaulting up into the air. And as he's, like, power sliding across the ground, like, Angus Young playing a guitar solo. Jesus Christ. He, like, whips out his knife and launches that at the shard guy's eyes, but doesn't quite score a hit. It it dings off his uh, helmet. So he comes up out of his slide and, like, jumps into the air and catches the spear out of midair grabs it and slams it down into the like one inch fucking visor of this guy's helmet and like straight through his fucking eyeball like millimeters before he gets pulverized by the backswing on this shard blade. Epic. The shard blade falls to the ground because its bearer is dead. And by all rights, Kaladin should pick it up and be a, I mean, essentially like turn into a general and be a light eyes and he would become one of the most important people in the world. Yeah. It's hard but, to overstate like how big of a deal these things are. <laughs> uh, but it's he like can't having bring, a nuclear weapon basically. Yeah. But he can't bring himself to do it. 
Yeah, yeah he, there's... Just, he just watched a sword cut through like all of his best friends, and he just can't pick himself, bring himself to pick it up and claim it as his own. There was, there's probably people that would trade kingdoms for this thing, you know, but he just can't do it because he's an emotional boy. Like you said, we just watched like how this thing behaves on a battlefield, like it's a whole army unto itself. Unless you run into a night radiant. And he also doesn't want to become a light eyes. You know, uh, like the rumors are when you pick up a shard blade, you become a light eyes. So that's part of his hatred, you know? Yeah, so he, he tries to give it to one of his dudes, uh, one of the last survivors, a guy named Korib. He's like, you take it, Korib. I don't want anything to do with that shit. And Amram just, like, can't believe it. He's, like, stunned. And Calden just uh, walks off the camp alone like a sad boy. The end. The end. Join us next week for Chapter 48, Strawberry, and Chapter 49, To Care. Yeah, we're almost, uh, what do we got, like, four more chapters before the final interludes here? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh boy, we're getting there. It's going to be quite a milestone when we're done with Way of Kings, man. We're going to have to do some kind of like celebration episode. Jesus, these books are huge. <laughs> we're going to be doing this until we're 80. I know. This is the only series we're ever going to do chapter by chapter, by the way. <laughs> Never again. Wheel of Time, forget about it. Forget, forget about, about it. it. 14 books? No way. <laughs> we, I would like to do book by book someday, maybe for Wheel of Time, but not chapter by chapter. Yeah, screw that. We were going to okay. do each character chapter by chapter for a minute there. Not chapter by chapter. We had like a character arc. We were basically doing it chapter by chapter, though. Let's revisit that and do some form of that still. It was a cool format. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, we have this has been the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. We are the Three Rivers Boys. I'm Zach. I'm Jake. Follow us on Twitter, that's at Three Rivers Boys, uh three spelled out. And we'll see you around next time. Thanks guys. Catch you later. Read more books. <laughs>